Good morning. We live in a time and space in our culture, maybe easier now than ever before to to offend people. Uh, It can be difficult to stand up for something that you really believe in. It's hard to bless someone without offending those that were left out. We can easily decide not to do something out of fear of upsetting or offending somebody else. Often, we're offended by something without even knowing all the information or even seeking to understand. And it seems as though our culture is becoming more and more entitled. And uh, people think they deserve something they haven't worked for or uh, have earned. And I will say, my kids live in this kind of world at my house. Uh, And we're to blame, to be honest with you. As parents, we're to blame. We spoil our kids. My wife is amazing. She loves to take care of them. Uh, I have a propensity to want to make people happy. And all of this influences their belief that this is how the world works, this is how it operates. Is, and as most of us know, that's not how it works at all. And I'm not immune to this uh, myself. I constantly have to remind myself I'm not owed anything. And actually, everything that I have is a gift from God. And so I'm learning to, to do this. Like if somebody gets something that I don't think they deserve, I'm learning to turn that frustration into gratitude and say something like, God, thanks, thanks for... Uh, providing for them, for that they could receive that gift. And I pray that they would see you as a good, generous father that you are. And I'll be honest, though, that's not my default reaction uh, all the time. Um, Sometimes it takes me a long time to get there, but I'm working on it, and I'm trying, and I'm better now than I've ever been. And there's one reason I'm growing in this ability. It's time. It's time with God specifically. The practice of prayer, the practice of silence and solitude, and more recently, the practice of gratitude. I've been thinking about this, like God to put on my heart that, uh, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit later in the message, to start practicing this gratitude. And if you read lots of um, leadership information, the biggest impact in your attitude is gratitude. And so I've been practicing this idea of gratitude, and it's impacted my life in a very personal way here recently. Um, If you're around here, like, why is Andy in sweats? (laughs) And why is he sitting down? Did he hurt his back again? I did not. Uh, I did not hurt my back. Thank you, Jesus. But uh, this past Friday, I had a procedure done on my leg, a little surgery. They removed a malignant melanoma on my leg. They got it very, very early. It's actually the best kind of call other than the one it's, it's nothing. Uh, They caught it so early, but they did have to go in, and as the doctor said, I'm going to take a chunk out of your leg. Uh, I said, that's nothing a patient wants to hear. But I'm doing great. I'm a little sore, so that's why I'm sitting down. But through the practice of gratitude, I was able to go into that procedure just extremely grateful that they caught it as early as they did, that I'm going to be fine. Some scans, those kind of things. Uh, But had I not done that, it could have really taken me to a very dark, negative place. So the practice of gratitude does impact your attitude. Last week, we talked a lot about the power of silence in our busy, noisy life in our world, but not just getting in a quiet place, although that's very important, but quieting our minds and seeking Jesus in our silence and solitude. Seeking Jesus to remind us of who he is and who we are not, that God is the creator and we are the created. We talked a lot about the positive mental, physical, spiritual impact of of silence in our own lives. And if you missed it, I really encourage you to go back and watch or listen to it. This week, we're going to talk about adoration, the process of praising God for who he is, what he's done, and what he's currently doing. But before we get too far this morning, let's start the morning how we ended last week. So if you're first time here, bear with us. We're going to challenge you in the most awkward part, silence. 
Uh, but two minutes of silence, seeking God. We're going to start there this morning to try to get our hearts right, our minds right, recenter them on Jesus. So if you find your, your mind distracted, if you tried this this week and you did two minutes, your mind was like wandering and distracting, there's a good practice you can do, something to recenter your thoughts on Jesus. Uh, I think of a word. My word is simply Jesus. So when my mind starts to wander about different things that are going on, uh, I just simply, in my mind, I say Jesus. And that helps me refocus and recenter for those remaining minutes or moments on Jesus. You guys ready? I'm going to say a quick prayer, and then it's going to be awkwardly silent for two minutes. Jesus, we invite you to come. Recenter our hearts and our minds on you. In Jesus' name. Hopefully you've been practicing that felt fast. For those of you that haven't done that, it probably felt like forever, but that was two minutes. Well, officially, good morning. My name is Andy. If this is your first time joining us, thanks so much for joining us. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, we are in a series that we're using the book by the author Tyler Statton called Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. And we won't go through the entire book in this series so if you're following along the reading plan, which are in those journals, which you can find in the back, you will read through the entire book. And again, as Jana mentioned, we're going to have a small group if you want to dive deeper into this material. And if you haven't bought the book, I really encourage you to head to Amazon even now and buy the book, Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. Um, get your copy today. But we do have three last copies of the book. And if you would like a copy of that book, you can see my amazing wife who was just up here giving us the announcements. Fill, bring her a filled out Connect card. She'll exchange that for a free book. We also have memory verses back in the back. If you don't have one of those, make sure you grab one. It's a very well-known verse that many of us already have memorized. If you grew up in church, you probably know this. It's known as the Lord's Prayer. And so what we're going to do, if you don't have that card handy, we're going to start this morning, uh, this message this morning, by reading the Lord's Prayer. We're going to have it up on the screen. Most of you have this uh, memorized, but if you don't, you can just follow along. You guys ready? One, 
two, three. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today. Love it. We're going to focus just on the first eight words of that prayer this morning. Uh, a quick aside before we look at those eight words or talk about it, this is a way you can engage not just our memory verse, but Scripture in general. When you go, go to Scripture, if you're in your quiet time, it's okay to read until God or the Holy Spirit, you feel like, has highlighted something to you, like something that stands out in the, in the, in the passage or in the verses. And just sit with it. Dig deep into what you feel like God's saying there. Do some research. So with that in mind, let's look at the first eight words Jesus uses as he begins to teach his disciples how to pray. And they're, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Again, if you've been around church uh, for a while, it's not uncommon to hear or refer to God as Father. We sing songs called uh, about God the Father. Actually, if you were listening and close enough, ironically, the kids were worshiping to the song Good Father. That was not on purpose. That was what we would say a coincidence. Um, what I hear often most as we talk about God the Father is people have sometimes a hard time to refer to, as, to, to God as Father. Maybe they struggle because their earthly father wasn't the best example of a father. And so that can have an influence on how we view our, our heavenly father. And I get that. But in the biblical times, when this was written, specifically when Jesus was teaching this to the original audience, the, the disciples, and he was teaching them how to pray, they wouldn't have thought about the things that maybe we think about or struggle with the things that we think about. As a matter of fact, the author, Tyler Statton, points out in the book that when Jesus opens up his teaching with our Father in heaven, the disciples would have likely gasped when Jesus would have said it. There was tremendous reverence for God. The people of the Old Testament specifically didn't question if God existed. They saw a pillar of fire stretching from the desert to the night sky. They knew God existed. That wasn't their question. Their question was, is God knowable? Is he relatable? So Jesus teaching them to pray, our Father in heaven, was this attractive scandal. We might even say offensive. And Jesus invites the disciples in on the secret to seeing God as a relational God, a God that wants to be with his creation. And as offensive as it may have sounded, Jesus tells his disciples that God's not only the father of him, of Jesus, he's their father in heaven. And in turn, he's our father in heaven. And Tyler makes the point that reverence, the reverence of ancient Israel is extinct in today's modern culture, modern West. We live without the same sacredness of the, of the ancient Near East. We yawn oftentimes at the words that made the disciples gasp, the things that might have offended them. Many of us, again, have grown up to, grown up to refer to God as Father. And although our world is, is a million apart from theirs, from the early uh, ancient Israelites, our hearts are still the same. And that's kind of important to really grasp and understand. When we pray to our Father in heaven, we're, we're having this intimate conversation, this intimate re relationship with an all-powerful, all-knowing God, a God who wants to bless us. His predisposition towards us is, is generosity. 
He loves to give you what you need and even what you want. He truly is a good, good father. And this is where adoration begins. It's where it starts. Knowing who God is and his heart for you and for me. And adoration given, given to God is always given back to us. As we lift our eyes to the true giver of everything, Jesus, our identity of him begins to be put in the right place. And we begin to recover his view of us as well. When we call God our father, we're equally remembering that we are completely and uniquely loved. And until we know God's true love for us, nothing can truly be right within us. We'll always have this wrestle and struggle. When we pray our Father in heaven, we're really asking God to remind us again today, right now, that we're loved by him. And prayer is the place we recover God's true identity and equally the identity of everyone else that he's created. Author and pastor Brennan Manning says it this way, if I'm not in touch with my own belovedness, then I cannot touch the sacredness of others. It's through prayer that we kind of recenter ourselves. Through prayer, all of our doing emerges from a recovery of identity of God, identity of ourselves, and identity of other people. The second line Jesus teaches his disciples to pray is, hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed means to, to make holy or to set apart, sanctify, consecrate, dedicate. The words, our Father, is a reminder of God's intimacy, his closeness. Hallowed is a reminder of his separateness, his majesty, his incomprehensible greatness. Hallowing is an active kind of prayer. It's honoring, it's adoring, it's naming the greatness of God. And Jesus teaches us that when our lips open from silence, from that centering place of, of contemplation, then the words we speak first should honor the God who is on the receiving end of our prayer. And when we're hallowing, when we're hallowing the name of Jesus, we're reminding ourselves who God is regardless of what's going on in our own lives. Adoration, then, isn't always the overflow of our hearts. It's not just because we feel like doing it. In fact, for a lot of us, it really, rarely is. Adoration is an act of rebellion against the empty promises of this world, the things we search after, and maybe even we get, and they still show up empty in our lives. It's the defiance in the face of our, of our circumstances. Prayer flows from the posture of our hearts toward God not from our circumstances or a reaction to the world around us. This is so important. This means that regardless of what's going on in our lives, in the moment, the circumstances around our lives, we can still decide. We can choose to adore. We can choose to hallow the name of Jesus in the hard, difficult times of life. I actually want to invite Jeff Hickman to the stage, who runs our sound He's somewhere around here. You want to come on up? He is, uh, my wife kind of uh, referred to this couple. He's Uncle Jeff in our world. So give Uncle Jeff a round of applause. Don't get up. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to get up. Uh, my doctor wouldn't like that. Uh, Jeff's going to uh, share kind of a recent experience, a season of life when he was going through a hard time. The circumstances aren't anything that he would have ever chosen for himself. And then God gave him a chance to adore him, even though that he wasn't really ready to do that. So I don't want to steal your thunder. I'm going to let you uh, tell us your story. 
Yeah, so I do have to back up a little bit, uh, give some background on this. Uh, I, my cousin Paul is much more than just a cousin. He was actually someone that uh, I would tell people, he's much more like my older brother. He was one of my best friends. Um, and he's not a, even actually my cousin. He's my cousin's husband. Um, but he was just an amazing guy. Um, he was a key part of me coming to Christ. Um, he was the, the guy I looked to when I thought of like, hey, how, how do I need to be as a, a husband? How do I need to be as a father? Um, he was really a model of a servant's heart. He was the kind of person that would uh, really look at someone the way and try to see them the way God loved them. And so it didn't matter who you were, he would go out of his way uh, to help in some way. And um, so, yeah, just absolutely uh, amazing guy and was diagnosed with cancer um, back in, uh, well, just about two years ago right now. And it was a rare kidney cancer that um, does not have good numbers. In fact, I, I don't remember it exactly, but like the five-year survival rate is zero. Um, I think even the three-year was like single digits percentage-wise. Um, and when he called my wife and I and told us about it, one of the things that he said that he wanted to make sure to do was honor God uh, throughout that process of, of what he didn't know exactly what things were going to look like coming up, but he, he wanted to uh, honor God in that. And when I would talk with him um, at different points and say, hey, what can I do? I, I knew there was nothing I could really do, but I would, hey, what can I do? Uh, he would ask for prayer for two things. One, his wife and his daughter. Um, he wanted me to pray for them, just knowing what was coming. And then he said, I want to continue to honor God. At the end of August... Uh, this past August, he, he died. And it was, even he had to go to the emergency room um, the, the day that he had passed away. And the nurses were talking about, we've, we've heard stories of, hey, there's something different with this guy. Mm. I can't believe his, his spirit and outlook in the midst of what he's dealing with. Um, even one of the ER nurses, or ER doctors, uh, came in and asked if she could just be with them as uh, his wife and daughter and son-in-law were there and worship music was on and they were praying and she asked if she could be there and pray as well. And um, yeah, we knew, we knew the day was coming. I knew the day was coming, but it didn't make that moment any less brutal when it happened. Fast forward, just a couple of days after that, we were hosting a worship night here at church and um, with running sound, I'll, I'll usually be here and my family comes. And for that particular one, my family planned on coming. I'm in a small group that meets on Tuesday nights. So we said, let's, let's not do our group. Let's go to the worship night. Um, but I had to just tell my wife and I told my small group, I'm like, I can't. I just, I can't be in that room. I can't try to fake my way through it and, and act like things are okay because they're not. Um, yeah, God and I just, we're not vibing right now. So um, as things would turn out, one of my sons uh, had something else going on, but really wanted to be here. He's part of the youth ministry, which if you've got a teenager, check it out. Um, our kids absolutely love it. And so I said, don't worry about it, buddy. I'll, I'll pick you up. I'll drop you off at church so that you can at least catch the second half of it. And on the way over, I got a, just this sense from him of like, he was a little nervous coming in like late 
even though we tell people like just be here for whatever you can and I could just sense he didn't want to come in uh, by himself and so I went ahead I parked the car walked in also being on the sound team I noticed as soon as I stepped in the door something's weird that you couldn't hear any music in the lobby and so I expected to walk in and find a problem with the soundboard or uh, you know, maybe they just forgot to turn the speakers on out there. And I walk in, there's no one on stage, the lights are down, everyone's <laughs> heads are down. And Craig walks up to me and says, oh, we're just taking some time to just rest and be still and sit in, qu in silence with God. And I thought, oh, fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I had this moment where I was like, I really don't want to be here. But it seemed weird if I just like walk out right now. Um, if you're new here, um, back at that time, we had this thing in the back called a wall. <laughs> and so I just went and I, I sat on the floor and leaned against the wall and kind of thought to myself, like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here. I do see now that, you know, God had kind of put some things in place to make that moment happen. Um, and I, I'll be honest, the the prayer was not, uh, it was not my Jesus words. Um, <laughs> as I kind of, you know, had it out with God a little bit and um, just sat back there and, and talked with God and, and prayed and did have a moment where I was reminded he's God and I was reminded I am not. And I was able to pray, God, you have to do something with this. Um, I, I do believe you are the redeemer of these situations and you are the redeemer of all stories. And so I said, please just let me, let me see something be redeemed from this. And I'll be honest, I did not leave here. The grief was still here. The pain was still here. The confusion, I, I don't want to paint this picture of like I prayed and everything was perfect. Um, but I was able to take that step forward and I, God guided me to take that step forward and be able to begin that recovery and begin to go through that grieving process in a healthy way. Um, and so, yeah, for that, I'm, yeah, just grateful that, grateful that he was patient for me in that moment. What a good father does. Uh, let me, let me pray for Jeff and, but I gotta be honest, this, his story is probably not un unique in the sense that some of us are probably in the middle of something hard right now. And so I want to also pray for you. So you, if you don't mind, and it's not too weird, you extend your hand and we'll pray for Jeff. So God, just come right now. God, thanks for, for who Jeff is and the man you've created him to be and those little moments of obedience as you kind of guided him down a path uh, just to show him how much you know him, how much you see him, how much you love him. God, you are, your propensity, as we've already talked about, is just generosity, it's loving, it's kindness. Even we don't understand what you're doing. And so, God, for those that are in a similar situation, God thinks that you've brought them uh, to this moment. God, that you love them enough just to remind them right now that you see them, that you know them, that you love them. In Jesus' name. Let's give Jeff a round of applause. It's interesting when you think about the disciples ask Jesus Hey, can you teach us to pray like you pray? 
And Jesus responds in essence by saying, well, start with remembering who you're talking to, right? Biblically, we're commanded to remember who God is more than we are to obey, to do or not do, to go or even pray. It's remember. Remember who God is. Because in this long journey of our spiritual life, we tend to forget who God truly is. Hallowing the name of God is longing to see God move here and now. It's wanting to know his presence in the midst of our mess and the chaos of life. And hallowing is one of the most obvious ways to bring heaven to earth, as the author says. And one of the ways, there are many ways we're going to talk about this morning to do this, is praying parts of Scripture. The parts of Scripture that speak to God's goodness, his power, his love, his mercy, and his grace. And Psalm 8, written by King David, is a great psalm to pray in adoration. This is what it says. It says, Lord our God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind to you that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. All flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim in the paths of the sea. Lord our God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Just a great psalm to pray in adoration. You can also uh, do adoration with God through worship music, through Prayers of gratitude, as I kind of alluded to, this year I've, I've challenged myself to come up with, since this leap year, 366 different things I'm grateful for, and it's been really, really good. And it's caused me, if I want to come up with 366 different things, it's caused me to really sit and process, what am I really thankful for? Because if we were all to make a gratitude list of 20 things every day, and they could be all be the same, we'd come up with probably a dozen on that list that tend to get that every time. But when you have to come up with 366 different ones, it makes you process and think, what am I really grateful for? There's also a, a, a great app called Lectio 365 that I use once in a while. It's a great app on your phone. It's about 10 minutes, and it walks you through a little bit of silence adoration, and hallowing the name of Jesus. So this morning, I want to practice this. I don't want to just challenge us to go and, and pray as Jesus taught his disciples in adoration. I want us to do this together as a community because we may not know this, but the Bible is a we book. It's not a me book. The Bible is meant to, to be read and learned in community. And you've heard this before if you've been around, but our heart for this place, our church, is to be a training ground a place people come and engage their faith, a place where people can come with questions and, and practice what we teach so that when we leave this place, we're more equipped and more likely to live out our faith outside of the walls of this place. We want this to be a safe place to put our faith into action so that our lives are filled with a faith of action. And I know we practiced two minutes of silence already, and I know we've, we did it last week, but we're going to do it again. 
Only this time, at the end of the two, two minutes of silence, we're going to break that silence in adoration to God, hallowing the name of Jesus. And we'll do that together, much like we did reading the Lord's Prayer. We're going we're gonna to read out loud together Psalm 8. It'll be up on the screen. So get yourself ready. I didn't say this earlier, but sometimes I like to just sit still as I can and open up my hands. There's nothing magical about that, but I think it puts your posture and your mind in a place to receive whatever it is that God has for you. I'm going to say that same prayer, and then we're going to sit in two minutes of silence, and then I'll direct us together to read Psalm 8. So Jesus, we invite you. We invite you to come. Recenter our hearts. Recenter our minds on you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to read Psalm 8 together. And don't get caught up on like, is everybody saying the same words at the same time? Like, let's not get ourselves mentally hijacked by, by that. This is about adoration to God. So you can read it at your own pace, but we're going to do this out loud. Put up on the screen. You guys ready? One, two, three. Lord, our God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than angels and 
crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers, works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. All the flocks, animals, birds, fish. Beautiful. Grab your connect cards. I want to offer you guys a few next steps. and We do this purposely. We believe God has the next step. If there's something that God wants to encourage you to continue down the path. Uh, kind of heard Jeff even allude to it. Like he had put into motion these things, these steps that he obediently took. And God met him where he was. And these are just acts and ways that we try to cultivate that habit in us to always be looking for what God, what's God doing? What, is he, what does he want me to do? What am I learning? So we're going to offer some next steps. The first might be to accept Christ for the first time. Maybe today's the day. You want, you want to know who this Jesus is all about, this creator of everything, this one that meets you where you are, that loves you where you are, but loves you enough, n- enough not to leave you there. So the way we, we, we talk about that is repentance in, in Scripture, where you you turn from your ways of trying to be the author of your own life and you turn to Jesus and you ask him to be the author of your life. Like, I'm sorry that I've tried to do it on my own. I'm now letting you, I'm going to invite you in through the power of your Holy Spirit to begin to change me from the inside out. When you make that step, just note that on your Connect card, drop it in the offering when it goes by in just a few minutes and make sure you grab any free resource back there. You're not meant to do this journey alone and we want to rally around you. And then we do a memory verse Every uh, This year, it's every quarter. So if you don't have one of these cards, grab one of those. We've already read it. Uh, but begin to, to meditate on that. And that just means maybe take those first eight words and sit with those for a while, maybe the whole week. Or commit this to memory. Just get into the Word till the Word gets into you. And then our application step, something we want to challenge you to do this week, is two minutes of being still and quiet. We've practiced it twice this morning. Um, I've learned I can't put an alarm on my phone because it scares me. <laughs> When the alarm goes off, I literally jump. Uh, I laugh because I love to scare people, so it's God's way of scaring me, I guess. So I now do it on my watch, and that doesn't scare me. But hey, you do you. Uh, Two minutes of quiet, and then break that quietness in adoration, singing songs of worship, maybe reading Psalm 8. Maybe it's listing out as many things as you can think of to be grateful for. Prayers of gratitude. Do that every day. Add that to your It's four minutes. We can find four minutes. And just watch what God begins to do in you and through you, how he reveals himself to you, how you think about him more, the changes that begin to happen in you. You'll see things different. You'll begin to feel things different, all because you're spending time with the good, good Father. And then, of course, you can receive prayer. We'll have prayer teams up here on my right and back there on the left. Uh, Honored to pray for anything that's going on even if it's just sitting in silence. Maybe it's just asking God, you know, like I want, I want to, God to, I want to pray prayers of gratitude. Whatever it is, we'd love to pray. Last week we, we came up here during worship time. God did a healing in the midst of, of our, our worship, of our adoration. But God still heals today. Maybe there's something God wants to do in those moments. If you feel more comfortable, you can write your prayer requests in the, on the Connect card, drop it in the offering, or email us at prayer at blueashcc.com. This time I'll invite the ushers to come up to receive our offering. Thank you again for your continued support financially for your tithes and offerings and trusting us with your next steps and spiritual progress with your Connect cards. If you want to grab your communion 
elements that you would receive when you walked in. We do this as a remembrance of who Jesus is and his obedience to the cross. And uh, there's no better example than Jesus on the cross forgiving those that were doing this and um, his acts of gratitude throughout his journey and life. What he adored his father, how purposeful he was to spend time withdrawing from the busyness of his life, the demands that everybody had on his life, and he still withdrew. He knew the importance to recenter, to refill, to refocus. And so we remember his body was broken and his blood was shed, but we're also remembering that Jesus lives in us. If we've said yes to Jesus, his Holy Spirit is alive and well, and he wants the same for us. Let me pray. God, thanks. Thanks for the stories of the people that you've called here to Blue Ash. Thank you that we can practice. And God, we know you never practice. Every time we put it, we're saying we're practicing, it's all real life. God, that you're meeting us right in those, those moments of, of firsts, of putting ourselves out there of adoring even when we don't want to. And we're just, it's lip service to us, but we know it's a change that's happening in us. So God, we just ask you to come. Thanks for meeting us here. Thanks for being the good father that you are. So God, we, we come in the best way we know how, in the most obedience that we can, the best posture that we have, regardless of what's going on in our lives, in our attempt to adore you. Jesus' name.